Welcome to another episode of Civic Cypher. I am your host, Ramses Ja. He is Ramses Ja. I am Q Ward. You are listening to Civic Cypher. Mm-hmm. Um, back to do it one more time for you. Uh, we got some interesting things to talk about. A lot to stick around for. So uh, do just that. Today we're going to be talking about black women, specifically the mistreatment of black women and how there are some things that you may not know, some consistencies with respect to that specific experience that you may not have insight into. And it's not just complaining. It's not, you know, there's, there's stories there. And we also have some examples as well. And we also want you to know that it's not just me and Q rattling this stuff off. Our producer, Ms. Maggie, a.k.a. Maggie B. Nolan, has given us this script. And so her input will be uh, felt <laughs> throughout um, today's discussions. Um, also, we're going to talk about, uh, I want to spend some time talking about voting in midterm elections. Um, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on in the world right now that you may not know about as well. And so uh, we want to kind of tell you some things, some deep, dark secrets you may not be uh, aware of so that you can remain motivated and hopefully motivate other people to take action. People in your circle, people that you work with, whatever, people that care about people um, so that we don't let this moment pass us by because in my belief, we're on the cusp of things going really one or two ways. Um, so again, a lot to stick around for. Uh, and oh, before I forget, uh, we're also going to be talking about the roots of house music. Uh, you notice the release of Beyonce's uh, new album and Drake's new album. Um, well, house music started with black folks. We're going to talk about that as well. But first and foremost, let's talk about some Ebony Excellence. How does that sound cute? Shall we? We shall. So today's Ebony Excellence is brought to you by Hip Hop Weekly Media. Uh, the story comes via Black Enterprise. So, meet Lillian Lincoln Lambert, the first black woman to receive a Harvard MBA. Lillian Lincoln Lambert uh, received a Master of Business Administration from Harvard, from Harvard in 1969, used it to carve a career path for other black women to excel. Forbes reports the author, public speaker, and entrepreneur in the building maintenance industry grew her business to more than 1,200 employees in six states and $20 million in revenue before selling it. Today, Lambert is a public speaker focusing on the power of persistence, resilience, courage, and morality, and the hurdles that prevent people from reaching their full potential. Using the power of storytelling, Lambert inspires her audiences to dream big, act bold, and pave their paths. And pave their paths. Sure. Uh, one of the things Lambert tells her audiences is that she focuses on three important steps. So if you got your pens, phones, whatever, make some notes, because this is a an amazing person with an amazing story that we can all learn from. Uh, number one, learn as much as you can. The better prepared you are, the more leverage you'll have in negotiations. Two, create a blueprint for, uh, of your goal. This will help you focus and create a manageable strategy. Three, don't let fear paralyze you from going after you after what you want. Um, the world teaches us in subtle ways, in particular black women, um, oftentimes that they're not capable or you know doesn't show many examples of black women excelling um so that's very important uh and a final note here women don't need to be afraid to step out and allow themselves to make mistakes lambert said don't be intimidated by men or people that think they're smarter than you most of the time they're not as smart as they think they are 
well said and true in my experience certainly so once again shout out to lillian lincoln lambert today's ebony excellence um now black women mistreatment of black women um i think you know if you're listening to this show i think you know that black women kind of have it the hardest you know imagine being born a woman which in a lot of people's um certainly um socially progressive intellectuals um estimations uh a lot of those folks consider women to be regarded as second class citizens in even advanced modern you know societies um progressive societies if you will um women make less money women have less opportunities etc right but the same holds true in this country uh and globally for black people um and so if you're born a woman and black i've heard it stated that you are born with two strikes against you and then you're expected to get out there and make a go of it now this isn't all doom and gloom because on this show we celebrate uh black girl magic as often as we can and we recognize that black women have overcome a tremendous amount right um black women are more educated than ever more educated than black men i think the most educated they might be group, more educated than every yeah the most educated group yeah i remember we did that show um i don't want to requote the statistics but i know that black women are excelling uh, in terms of education and in lots of areas um but the reality is still that there's a, a long road to uh, travel before there is a real sense of equity and equality um there are just some areas that you know black women have managed to make make some some strides um and it's interesting because you know before we get into today's stories i want you to know how we think about this topic and i'm going to speak for you q i don't like to do that but hopefully it's okay in this um one instance um we love everyone we recognize that everyone is valuable we are all we all exist as a result of the same creator regardless of who you consider that creator to be we are all expressions of a similar consciousness and we have a finite amount of time in this in our relatively insignificant place in the universe right um we make a big deal out of ourselves because our biology compels us to do so but the fact is is that we really need each other so in this celebration of black women um we need to make sure that the people who have the hardest time um recognize a that that shouldn't be happening to them but i think i take it a step further and say that and this time i'll speak for me and if you disagree q you can certainly jump in there but my belief is that the black woman is as close to god as any of us will ever see um uh, on this planet in this realm and in this time so uh the reason i say that is because 
um, the first woman was black. Uh, for those familiar with science and that go down those rabbit holes like I do, uh, you know, look up mitochondrial Eve, the mother to us all. We are all related to this one woman who lived in Africa many years ago. And this was a black woman, human woman. Um, and we all have her encoding in us. And so when I say the black woman is the closest expression to God that we'll ever see, um, that is based on science meeting what we know to be uh, well-established in Christian religion. Um, as close to fact as we're going to be able to say, you know, I'm paying a compliment, of course, but, you know, there's also an element of truth there. Um, and it's very unfortunate that black women have to endure <laughs> such a challenging reality when this is the mother of all of us, the mother of civilization. You know, um, I've said it before on the show that my belief is that black women are the most beautiful expression of human beings, older black women. Uh, that's the most beautiful expression of a human being that I've seen in my life. <laughs> and funnily enough, the second most beautiful expression of a human being I, I've found is an Asian man who is also older. I just think that's a beautiful thing to look at, you know? So uh, while I am very much a, uh, an advocate for black people, I'm black myself. I have black children, you know, and I live a very black life. Um, I will be fair. You know, what I see is what I see and what I know is what I know. And so hopefully that lends a bit more credibility and you can see that there's a bit of an unbiased approach to the things that I say about black women, them being beautiful. Um, uh, certainly in later in life, that's gorgeous to me. And again, back to, um, black women being the closest that we'll ever see to God. Now, Wait, before I, before I move on, I kind of spoke for you. I don't want to I don't want to leave you there. Is there anything you got to add or you want to adjust anything I said, you know, now's the time to do it, Q. No, no, proceed. Okay. All right, very good. Now, let's talk about black women and how black women are treated. So, um the topic given to us by uh Maggie B. Nowen is the mistreatment of black women. Charges finally filed against some officers in the murder of Brianna Taylor. And, you know, the foremost question there is what took so long and why, really, um, was this not um, pursued initially and immediately? So I'll read a bit. Um, this comes from time. So for Bianca Taylor's supporters, justice finally came in the form of a federal civil rights case. Uh, Four officers involved in the March 2020 police raid that killed Breonna Taylor were arrested by the FBI Thursday. Three of them are charged with violating Taylor's civil rights, which carries a maximum of life in prison. If convicted, the raid on Taylor's Louisville apartment um, was the result of lies the federal indictment alleged. A warrant for the no-knock warrant raid that led to Taylor's death should never have been granted, and Breonna Taylor should be alive today, said U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland. For Taylor's family and her supporters in Louisville, the Department of Justice announcement was the beginning of justice that they believe had been denied to them. Only one officer involved in a 26-year-old black woman's killing was charged under Kentucky law, and he was acquitted at trial. Uh, quote, I've waited 874 days for today, Tamika Palmer, Brianna's mother, said. And her quote continues, today is overdue. 
but it still hurts. They shouldn't have been there, and Brianna didn't deserve that. Um, now, I'm not going to hash out who Brianna Taylor was because my assumption is that you wouldn't know. We talk about her a lot on the show. And of course, if you were alive and breathing in 2020, that is perhaps um, right after George Floyd, perhaps the most shouted name on the streets um, during all the protests. So if you don't know... And on television. And television. And well, radio. Yeah, and and social media. And social media. Yeah. Um, uh, arrest the cops that uh, murdered Breonna Taylor. I think that was uh, a popular um, meme sort of thing that took place uh, at that time as well. Now, um, if you don't know uh, the whole story, please look it up. It's worth looking up. And then you'll find out exactly how she was treated. And we did an episode on this uh, as well as almost collateral damage you know the police have to get the bad guy which they were in the wrong place and there was no bad guy there but um their approach to it was like well well it's just kind of the cost of doing business sometimes you get them sometimes other people die and that cavalier attitude toward a woman's life we believe only happens um when the woman is black and does not have a high profile, you know, not a celebrity, you know, those sorts of things. Had this been um, Gabby Petito <laughs> uh, and the police raided the wrong house and killed Gabby Petito, you know, blonde haired, blue eyed white woman, um, there, per, there wouldn't have even been the need for an outcry because they would have owned it. The family, you know, this would have been handled privately, quietly, and there wouldn't have you know, they would have acknowledged, hey, this is a mistake rather than, hey, that's just kind of the cost of doing business, right? So that shows you the value of black life. And today we're talking about black women's lives. So um, obviously people were very upset by that. National protest erupted and the rest is history. Now, as far as those protests are concerned, we were out on the streets, right? And we had a chance to see the amount of signage, the amount of support, you know, um, this was a national moment and movement. Um, and then, as we mentioned, the social media um, that followed that, you know, do you remember the uh, the uh, videos that used to come up on social media where people would start by telling this, the beginnings of like a prolific story or a profound sort of whatever, and then right in the middle, they'd switch gears and be like, arrest the cops. Or here. right at its conclusion. Right. Like the moral yeah. of the, of every story, no matter what the story yeah, started. Yeah. So you got it, yeah. Was to arrest the cops that murdered Breonna Taylor. Right. So um I think it's important to to mention that that for those people that were in that moment, um, standing in solidarity with black people that were doing their best to feel the pain that black people were feeling and to help us to deal with the amount of hopelessness and the amount of um, frustration and the amount of, you know, all those feelings that black people were feeling in that time, not just by, you know, acknowledging it, but no, coming out on the streets, standing with us, sharing on social media, bringing attention to the fact that these injustices are unfortunately frequent. These are just happened to time out in such a way to where it was sort of a perfect storm. George Floyd was already a hot button issue, COVID happened, people weren't at work, everybody could get outside, you know, that sort of thing. But for those people that acknowledged this with us, um, I think it's important for us to say that um, we commend you. 
Um, and we're still working to bring attention to these stories and to um, make the world a better place. This is the purpose of this show. But today we're talking about the fact that it took, uh, where's that number? 874 days for charges to be brought. Um, and I think, again, the comparison to um, another popular name of a white woman who had no status or no profile before something bad happened to her, Gabby Petito. Um, I think if you were just to think about that yourself, you could see how the media would approach that differently, how police would approach that differently, how accountability would um, look different in those situations. Um, the thing is, we don't want to harp. I, I know that we have to. That's part of the reason why Q kind of keeps me from floating off into the clouds. We have to bear in mind that um, the 874 days of waiting is an injustice in and of itself. But because I'm me and because I always have a tendency to get this stuff off, um, I do want to say that some justice, late justice, Partial justice is better than no justice, is better than a complete failure to acknowledge uh, or um, take responsibility for what happened. If there is any, then I'd agree with you, right? Because we know that officers being arrested and or charged means nothing, right? They, they I'm guessing, will stand trial. Uh, and then there's the topic of sentencing which far too often seems to be very, very, very light or acquitted with regards to uh, law enforcement being charged with murder, especially when those victims look like us mm. more. So as we can see with the acquittals, when the victim looks like us and is a woman. Um, so I'm hesitant to celebrate anyway. Um, I didn't, it got no rise out of me. <clears throat> excuse me, when I saw that charges were brought, I had no emotional response whatsoever. I, I'd love to see accountability actually happen. And uh, I'm sure I'll feel a lot different then, but I just, I have no evidence and there's no data that gives me any reason to have any faith in this system that has failed us so monumentally and so often and so consistently. Um, there is still no reason to celebrate yet, right? Thank, kudos to them for doing the job that they shouldn't have. No one should have had to insist they do. And it definitely shouldn't have taken two and a half years for something to happen. Um, well, we'll see. I think that's fair. I think that's more than fair. Um, you know, there's. That, that's fair, you know. Um, and then obviously we've seen that sometimes these things are the result of pressure. Like if the country hadn't gotten into the streets, this may have never happened even after 874 days. Right. Um, but my hope is that even having charges brought against these officers more frequently, the attention being brought to it, us having this conversation here and now, maybe the ripple effect of these combined actions and hopefully the results of this trial and the results of these actions will um, 
create officers who think twice. It will implore the people behind the systems that really frame our society to understand that there at least may be some consequences feels like a strong word, but inconveniences if you take the life of a black woman. And that might be something enough for some people to at least pause before they continue through or, you know, I'm trying to find a shred of <laughs> something positive here, you know, beyond the fact that, of course, there are charges now finally brought. Um, I'm trying to find, you know, how about this? We have come a long way. Um, this is not the world that our fathers, our grandfathers, our great-grandfathers lived in, right? Um, but this hopefully will not be the world that our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren live in. And my, my hope is that, yes, the here and now, the today might look bleak. It might look like we are a long way from, you know, where we have to be. And those things are true. But if we look at these things in the scale of a human lifetime, then it looks impossible. But if we look at this in terms of the scale of a country and how long countries last, then in my more optimistic view, when I have them from time to time, more often than you do, I see a trajectory that hopefully will continue and will move this whole country along toward um, a more perfect union, to borrow from the language of our this country's forefathers. Yeah, I think the the incline of of a graph that would be showing the trend of progress for said country, um, it'd be far less steep than you might hope. I, I think we're trending in a direction that we've always hoped just very, very slowly. Mm -hmm. yeah. And there's far yeah. less progress <clears throat> from the years of our great-grandparents than you would hope or than you would imagine. Um, we're, they, we're not having dogs sicked on us in the streets anymore. Mm. Right? But a lot of the outcomes are the same. Yeah. So I saw that. Remember that video again, we did, I though? I reserve, I reserve, I'll reserve my response sure that's fair. for actual progress instead of you know what might appear to be so to some because i know these outcomes are sadly and typically the same yeah so we'll see hopefully we have something not to cheer but just to be able to nod our head and say okay at least some form of accountability has started to show its face right well I do want to say this. You mentioned dog sicked on us, and that's still a thing. Um, remember that video uh, that we had to talk about where the police sent, sick the dog on the man who was just standing there? He was a black man, and the dog like bit him up, and he had to go to the hospital, and they ripped him apart, kind of. So that still kind of happens. Yeah. I know you probably spaced maybe that one. Maybe not as frequent. Uh, I'll say that then. Sure. Um, and I, I know that today's uh, topic is about you know black women, but I do want to also mention um, while we have a few minutes or a few seconds left, that Ahmaud Aubrey's killer was sentenced to a federal hate crime to a term of life in prison plus 10 years amid his fears 
that someone would hurt him in jail. Um, and so that's another thing. My hope is that will uh, the ripple effect will be that society will uh, certainly society that harbors the sentiment that black bodies can be damaged with no consequences. You can harm black people and no one's going to come after you. Those groups will see that verdict and realize even more that mm, we probably should take it easy because when we get consequences. to when we get to a point where this man is not an outlier or an exception once again i'll feel a lot better yeah. you give me one case of accountability and then you give me thousands of cases of impunity it's it's hard to really feel a way about it yeah you're right and far be it for me to be a part of the media that influences the world to think that just because there's one instance that everything's changing so you're right there are lots of cases that don't go unreported so that go unreported